It's been uh, nearly seven years now uh, since a terrible tragedy took place on June 17, 2015. There were several members who had gathered uh, for Bible study at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, just as they did every Wednesday night. And a white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof came into their Bible study, joined them for Bible study before pulling out a gun and stating, and I quote, Y'all are raping our women and taking over the world. He then opened fire, uh, killing nine innocent victims who uh, were there attending Bible study that day. And as I refresh my memory on the details of that event, it really, there was a heaviness in my soul. Just going back and, and rereading and, and seeing pictures and, and the impact that that had on family members and you know, it's really unconscionable that somebody could do something like that. First of all, to take the lives of innocent victims just because of the color of their skin, but then to do it after attending Bible study with them. It really is beyond what most of us can comprehend. But less than 48 hours later, there was something else that took place that was really every bit as mind-blowing. Uh, I want you to take a look at what happened when the family members had an opportunity to speak directly to this young man who had killed their family members. Let's take a look. I just want everybody to know, to you, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I would never talk to her ever again. I would never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have rescue on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgive you. And I forgive you. Nobody saw that coming. For the family members, and she, by the way, she wasn't the only one. If you go back and watch, there were several other family members that when they spoke to him, they said, I forgive you. How in the world, less than 48 hours after a family member has been murdered in such a brutal way, do you extend forgiveness like that? And the only answer is that this was... There was some type of foundation in place that predisposed them to respond this way. Because if they were responding off of emotion, and by the way, you notice that doesn't take away the anger, it doesn't take away the hurt. The decision to say, I forgive, that didn't mean they weren't still working through all those emotions and, and may still, probably still are, even to this day. But how do you do that? The only answer is, that they weren't reacting based on their emotions. If you react based on emotions, then what you're going to spew out is going to be venom and hatred and, and I, I wish on you what you have done to us. But these were followers of Jesus who had a foundation in place, an understanding of what forgiveness is and an understanding that they were commanded, as we all are, to extend forgiveness to other people as well. Now, I, I suspect that some of us would watch something like that and say, there's no way I could do that. If I were in their shoes, 
There's no way that I could, you know, less than 48 hours after a family member has been murdered like this, that I could, could tell someone that I forgive them. And maybe that's based on the fact that there may be things that you're holding on to today that you've not been able to let go of. There, there is unforgiveness in your heart today, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is a heavy subject, and I realize that it's one that we all deal with. I'm going to tell you right up front today uh, that, that we're just going to, to let Scripture speak into that. And so if there is something that, some unforgiveness that you're holding on maybe toward a spouse or maybe even a former spouse, maybe there's unforgiveness toward a coworker who has said things about you behind your back that aren't true, or uh, maybe toward a friend who wasn't there for you in your time of need, or whatever the case may be, toward that spouse that, that has hurt you more deeply than you thought possible. Um, I'm not going to tell you today that forgiveness is easy. It's not. Forgiveness is hard. And I think we need to be honest enough with ourselves to acknowledge that and to say, yes, that forgiveness is hard. But we also need to be honest enough with ourselves to admit this. I and you can forgive. To say, I just couldn't do that or I just can't forgive someone is not true. Because the Bible instructs us to forgive. And whatever God commands us to do, he will also empower us to do. Now, it is going to take an act of God. It's going to take God transforming our hearts, as we will see when we go, go through our, our passage here in just a moment. But I want to promise you this. As hard as the work is to forgive, if you'll do that hard work, it will transform your life and those around you as well. Forgiveness has that much power and there are a lot of different places that we could go in the scriptures to look at this topic because it's it's repeated over and over again but today I want us to camp out on just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 4 so if you want to open your Bible with me we're going to be in Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32 today and then we're actually going to go back and read some of the verses before it here uh, in a moment but starting in verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the instruction here is to forgive. The word that is used here to forgive, and there are different words in Scripture that are translated forgive, is a word that has at its root the Greek word charis, which is the word for grace. To forgive in this context is emphasizing an extension of grace to someone. And you might remember that grace is all about unmerited favor, right? So what that means is that our forgiveness does not depend on the worthiness of the recipient. Let me say that again, because I think we need to hear that. Our forgiveness does not depend on the worthiness of the recipient. Our decision to forgive is a decision to extend grace. There's another word in Scripture, it's not in this verse, uh, but that is also used and translated as to forgive, and it's a Greek word, ephemi, which means to send away, to, to let go 
or to send away. And that, that's a beautiful mental image. In fact, I have a wonderful little book that, that I would highly recommend. We have a, a, a picture of the front cover because I love the, the cover of this book by June Hunt. And if you just look at that image, you know, of a cage, think of an animal or bird or whatever it may be, being caged, being locked in, and then opening that cage to, to let it go free. Uh, and by the way, there, there is a link in the online bulletin notes where if, if you're interested in getting that book, it's like four bucks or something, but it's, it's a great little book. Um, some great insights from her, and I would highly encourage going and, and, and getting that book. But you know, some of the things that she talks about in there are just so impactful. Uh, she points out that, that there's a difference between, for example, forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, reconciliation requires both parties, forgiveness requires one. Um, it talks in there a lot about how forgiveness is not. One of my favorite quotes from the book is where she talks about how forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. It's moving them from your hook to God's hook. You know, letting God take care of it. A lot of other things. I, I would highly recommend it, but I love that, that image there of what forgiveness is, is to forgiveness is to release. Not to hold on, not to try to keep somebody in our own mental prison, but, but to release that person. And so that's the directive that we are given in Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, notice by the way, as we're talking about extending grace, not only do we forgive, but it says be kind and compassionate to one another, verse 32. And then it says to forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave us. I, I want us to spend a moment there talking about that first little part of as in Christ God forgave us because this is foundational for us to be able to extend forgiveness to somebody else we need to be uh, to, to understand what it means to be forgiven see once we experience the forgiveness that God offers then we have something to pass on and so God's forgiveness let me remind you is 100% dependent on his work on our behalf not on our worthiness going back to what we said a moment ago it, thankfully it is not dependent on the worthiness of the recipient there's not one of us that is deserving of God's forgiveness in fact, what every single one of us deserves is God's wrath because we have sinned against the holy God. But God, knowing that there was nothing that we could do to make ourselves right, chose to, to act on our behalf. And so he sent his son Jesus to become one of us. Emmanuel, the Bible says, God with us. And so Jesus came to become one of us. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a sacrificial death on our behalf. Jesus did all of that for us, not because we deserved it, not even because we asked for it, but because God loves us, because God desires a relationship with us. He wants us to experience forgiveness. And so we have to respond to that. Everything has been done for us. But church, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, that alone does not mean that you personally have experienced the forgiveness that God offers. So you and I have to respond in faith. All the work has been done for us, but we have to respond 
by saying, yes, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. I am going to confess my sins. I'm going to turn away from my sins and put my trust in Jesus. And once we receive that, now when we receive a forgiveness we never knew was possible, we are able then to extend forgiveness that we never knew was possible. And this is the key to really everything that we're talking about today when we're talking about forgiving and forgiveness and, and specifically will have some application in the context of marriage because that's the, the the series that we're in but it'll apply really across the board you can apply these concepts wherever uh, whatever relationships you want to apply them to guys this is the key w what you don't need what I don't need is a list of let me give you five steps to being able to forgive those who have hurt you we don't need that what we need is for God to transform our hearts. We need to experience the forgiveness of God in such a deep way that we are transformed and we can't help but to extend that same forgiveness to others. And Jesus spoke pretty clearly about that. Those who have been forgiven by God and refused then in turn to forgive others. That's, that's not a good situation. So we need the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. That's what we're after is that we would be changed on the inside. But then we do have a responsibility to cooperate with the work that God wants to do in us. And so he's done everything, but we must respond in faith, and then we must continue to, to live by faith. And verse 31 gives us this instruction. It says, get rid of, and it gives a whole list of things, all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You see, our, our stuff that builds up inside of us, it could be something that comes out in a physical form through some type of violent behavior, or it could be something that comes out verbally through the things that we speak. It could be something that doesn't even really come out directly at all, but just builds up inside of us in the form of bitterness. But he says, you've got to get rid of that stuff. We need to get it out of us, and we need to, to um, be kind and compassionate to one another and, and forgive one another. You know, the image that comes to mind for me when I think about things building up inside of this is kind of like the, the, uh, the old-time teapots. You know, you put water in a teapot, you put it uh, on the stove, and it heats up, and eventually it starts to, to scream, right? It starts whistling, and it makes a sound, which is an indication that the water is hot enough, but that, that it has started to boil. And there's this steam that is building up inside the pot, and the steam starts coming out through, through a whistle. And it, it's really interesting to me that, that one of the words that is used here uh, is it's the word slander. And it's a word that means to scream, like to, to, to let out a shriek. And, and that's a... You know, that, that's an image there of what can happen inside of us as things build up inside of us. And, and it says to get rid of all that. Now think about that teapot. There are really, the only way to make it stop is to reduce the heat inside. Now you can do that one of two ways. You can take the pot off of the stove and eventually as it cools down, it'll get to the point where it'll stop screaming. Or... A lot quicker options, you just open the lid to the teapot, right? You let it, you let the steam out and it comes rushing out and, and it has an outlet. You know, sometimes you and I really cannot control the heat that is underneath us, can we? We can't always just remove ourselves from that, but we can 
choose to, to open the, the release valve. We can choose to let the steam out and to, to, to deal with it in an appropriate way and to, to, to bring that before God as we'll talk about. So here's the first thing that I want to encourage us to do. This is how God works in us. Again, this is not our doing. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But we need God to help us to release what is building up steam. We've got to get it out. I'll tell you, the longer it stays inside, the more screaming we're going to do. The more, the more problem there's going to be in there. And eventually, it may come out in an explosion and burn people around us. Or it may not come out at all, but, but it'll just eat us alive from the inside out. Um, but we got to deal with it. So how do we get rid of it? Well, again, let me remind you, this is the work that God wants to do in us. And he gives us some instructions about things that we can do to put ourselves in a place where God is able to, to do his work in us. But verse 25, let me back up just a little bit here. And let's read what he says in the verses preceding what we read a moment ago. Verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So, couple of things I, I see here. It, one, it says to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Um, when I read that, my mind goes to the fact that, that we need to be able to have really honest conversations with people around us. We need people in our lives that, that we can speak truthfully to, including those things that we may be struggling with, the things that may be inside of us that are causing us to have steam built up inside and so um, so I, I think that's where we start we cultivate healthy transparent relationships so that we don't have to go about this whole business of you know appearing to be somebody I think that, that's a big part of what causes issues inside of us is this feeling that we have that we got to pretend like we have it all together all the time if we can have people in our lives that, that we can be transparent with. Um, when it comes to the things that bother you the most, the things that, are, that weigh most heavy on your heart, the things that keep you awake at night, the sin struggles that you have, let me ask you, how many people know about those things? Now, obviously, the answer should not be zero. The answer also should not be dozens, by the way. I mean, if you just spew that stuff all over anybody that gets within 10 feet of you, that's not going to be good, and you're going to drive people away. I'm not suggesting that we just, you know, every single person just needs to be the recipient of us unloading, but we do need people in our lives that know us well enough to know what we're struggling with, to know what weighs on us most heavily, to know what sins we're battling with so they can come alongside and pray with us, so they can point us to Scripture. We, we need that. But then there's a second really important um, directive in verse 26 to, and, and the way it's translated the way I read it a moment ago, it says, in your anger do not sin. Let me give you a better, more accurate translation. It says, be angry, but do not sin. In other words, we, we have to, to figure out a way to express and deal with a God-given emotion of anger, but in a way that's not sinful. And Jesus did this, by the way. You remember, Jesus got angry. Jesus was sinless, but Jesus got angry. But the point is, how often do we deal with our anger in a sinful way? 
probably most of the time, right? We allow it to lead us down a sinful path. And what he's saying here is be angry, but do not sin. And then he goes on right after that and, and talks about how we are not to let the sun go down on our anger. And if we do that, it's giving the devil a foothold. So we're, we're dealing with it. We're not stuffing it. We're not ignoring it. We're not pretending like it's not there. But we are actually working through those things and being honest and that goes back to what we just said in verse 25 being honest enough to to deal with it and then if you skip down to verse 29 just one other um, verse I want to point out to you says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen I thought man how often does the way we speak about other people in a negative fashion just fuel the, the bitterness inside, fuel the, the anger inside and just help it build up. And he's saying, don't do that. The things that you say, there's a whole other sermon in, in that verse uh, that we don't have time to go into. Um, but I think you get the idea, right? There are some things that we can do. Now, we need God to transform our hearts, but there are things that we can do that will put us in a place where it's more likely to happen. And I love the fact that in Scripture, it's so honest about uh, you know, people expressing their needs and struggles and everything directly to God. Because ultimately, that's the answer, right? I mean, yeah, we need people in our lives and we need outlets and all that. But really what we need to learn to do is how to deal with these things and, and, and lay them before God and ask Him to deal with it, ask Him to change us. We pray about them. And so much of the Psalms, that's, that's what it is. It's people just praying about everything. In fact, I don't know about you, there's a lot in the book of Psalms that makes me very uncomfortable when I read it. Almost to the point of kind of accusing God of things, you know, or, or really kind of chewing God out for certain things. And it's like, oh, I'm, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. But it's very honest. Very honest about just, you know, God, why this? And, and this is, I'm feeling abandoned in this way. We need to be able to have those outlets and to be honest with God and he is the best person to release it to so so we start by releasing what builds up steam but then there's a second thing that's so important for us today and that is based on what it says here that we are to forgive just as in Christ God forgave us we have to forgive like Jesus did and what that means is that we proactively forgive proactively forgive not wait for someone, see, this is the way we typically do it in our culture, right? If somebody offends us, it's like, I'll wait for that person, and if they come and they beg for forgiveness, then maybe I'll think about granting it to them. And there's a problem with that, and that is that's not how God ex expressed forgiveness to us. God didn't wait for us to get our act together. Jesus didn't wait for people to say, you know, I, would you please die for us? Would you please pay the penalty for our sin? Actually, it was completely the opposite. They mocked him, they beat him, they crucified him. And one of the last things that Jesus said before he died was, Father, you remember, right? Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He, he was proactively expressing forgiveness. And that is something that you and I can control. Now, we might not be able to control how it's received. And I would go back to what I said a moment ago. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. 
You might not be able to control whether another person puts himself in a place for the relationship to be reconciled, but we absolutely can control our part of that. And so we proactively um, extend forgiveness. You know, Jesus did all of that for us because he loves us, because he desires relationship with us. And we respond in faith. So my question is, are you doing your part to extend forgiveness to those who've hurt you? Again, let me remind you one of the things I said a moment ago. Forgiving is not letting someone off the hook. It's moving them from your hook to God's hook. It's, it's releasing in the sense of saying, God, I'm going to let you handle this. See, sometimes I think we're hesitant to forgive because we think, well, I'll just let them get away with it. No, that's not what it means. If somebody has hurt you deeply and you choose not to harbor that resentment, you choose in your own heart to extend forgiveness, that person is still going to have to deal with God, right? They're still going to be accountable to God. And so hopefully that person will come to a point of repentance and asking God for forgiveness, which God will, has already granted. We receive it as, as we um, ask for it and, and, and trust in Christ. But that's God's issue, not yours, right? And so we have to let God deal with that. And, and we have to, to get rid of this idea we have that we somehow have a right to, to keep that person captive. I mean, it tells us to get rid of all this stuff that it lists out in verse 31. And then at the end of verse 31, it's, it's almost like he says, in case I miss something, and he throws in and every form of malice. So if there's anything else that I didn't specifically address, let's just lump that in there too. So any of that bad stuff inside, he says, get rid of it. We've got to get rid of it. So in what relationship does that need to happen in your life today? Is there somebody who's hurt you deeply? Is there something that you've been holding on to and you just have, have convinced yourself, I just can't forgive? Remember, that's a lie. You might choose not to forgive, but the truth is that God has commanded us to forgive. And what God tells us to do, he empowers us to do. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it might be the most difficult thing you've ever done. But I'll tell you this. It'll set you free if you'll forgive. See, some of you came in today bound by the chains of unforgiveness. And it's been wrecking your life. It dominates your thinking. It's getting in the way of, of being able to, to function in your life like you need to be able to function. It's getting in the way of being able to have the right relationship with God. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we are the ones that get trapped by it. And so I want you to experience freedom today. I want you to know the forgiveness that, that, that we receive from God. But when we express that to others, there is a freedom that comes from that. And so, forgive for your own sake, but ultimately forgive for the glory of God, too, because that's what God tells us to do. That's how God is glorified. 
For those of you that have tied the knot, I'll tell you right now, marriage is a wonderful place to start in expressing forgiveness. Because the person that, that you're married to um, is probably the person that you will be most hurt by and that you're most likely to hurt. And that's because we spend more time with them than anybody else. It's because we let our guard down around that person more than anyone else. We probably say things that we wouldn't say to anybody else. Man, that's a great place to start. If you're married, to just talk through it, what is it that you might be holding on to? Is there any type of bitterness? Is there any type of unforgiveness that, that you are keeping inside of you? And if so, I just want to encourage you let that go. You're going to find a lot of freedom when you do. You're going to find that that may transform that relationship. And it could be that there are some marriages that are just struggling to hang on. And the only hope that you have is to forgive. Now, if there are issues that have caused the problems, those still need to be worked through. I want to be really clear about that. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you're saying what you did was okay and that we're going to pretend like it didn't happen. It still needs to be worked through. But it begins with a heart of saying, but I'm willing to forgive you. I want us to work through this. I, I want us to be able, if at all possible, to reconcile. It may be that reconciliation in whatever relationship uh, is hurt and damaged in your life, that may not be possible. And if that's the case, then you do your part. Forgive and leave the rest in God's hands because there's only so much we can control. If you find yourself in a relationship where you're being hurt, where you're being abused in some way, let me be really clear in saying that forgiveness does not mean that you continue to put yourself in a position to be hurt and to be abused over and over again. That's not what it means. You can forgive in your heart and still keep some appropriate distance from somebody who is hurting you over and over again. But we have to forgive. And the only way we can do that is when God changes our hearts on the inside. So that's my prayer. That's been my prayer all week. It's God, change our hearts. We need you to do something inside of us that we can't drum up on our own. If you feel like you can't forgive, the truth is you can't. Not in your own ability, not in your own power. But through the power of God, you can. Because what God commands us to do, he empowers us to do. And if we will truly seek him with all of our heart, it's not going to be easy, but God will give you the ability to forgive. And when he does, you're going to find freedom that you've never known before. Let's pray together. Lord, this is, this is a heavy topic, I know. It's something that is hard for us when we feel like we've been hurt. But Lord, I thank you first and foremost that you forgive us. Your forgiveness is unconditional. It's undeserved. And so today we thank you for it. And my prayer is that when we experience it, we're so transformed, Lord, that we can't help but to extend forgiveness to others around us. So help us to do that today. For those that are in really difficult relationships or, or situations where they've really been hurt deeply, I pray Lord, for your supernatural power. Um, and God, do what only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.